0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Jeff Mudrow, the the head of our school, sent me a picture of a sign at Sugar Twist. It said, make me happy maple bar stuffed with sausage, bacon, eggs, and cheese. Whoa, that's a maple bar on steroids right there, you know. I don't know if I'd like that. I can mix a few things with my maple bar like bacon, but you start throwing in eggs and stuff, I like to keep those things separate. I know they eventually mix together, but, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of tied down like my food touching the other part of the food, so it's going to really be hard for me to preach with that maple bar down there, I'm telling you right now. It's like a temptation, but I'll be okay. Speaking of uh, Jeff, our head of school, he gave me a report we're having some exciting things happen at our school. We've had some incredible growth numerically and spiritually. The middle school's spiritual emphasis was this last week. And 102 students grew in their knowledge and understanding of God's Word. 32 students recommitted their lives to Christ. Amen. And nine students accepted Jesus as their Savior for the first time. Praise God. As Jeff said, the Holy Spirit is at work in our school. So keep praying for our school. It's a ministry of our church. We're in this together. We're better together, church and school. And there's just so many families that we can reach in this school. And I just encourage you to be faithful in supporting our school and all the ministry that it does, changing lives for eternity. It really is. We're continuing our series on Seek First. And our text is Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And then we drop down to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so that's like a parenthetical there. It starts off, do not worry, but instead seek first. And so I want to just review with you this morning how to overcome worry. Three things. Seek first his face. That means the presence of the Lord. Seek first his kingdom. And today we're going to talk about seeking first his righteousness. But I want you to know, if you battle with worry, if you struggle with anxiety, there's a way to overcome it through God's word. And it's seeking first his face, his presence. Seeking first his kingdom, living like we're going to live in heaven. And now we're going to talk about seeking first his righteousness. Righteousness is critical, especially for these dark days. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And so for the sake of review, let's revisit the definition of seek. Because I believe if we're faithful to these priorities in our lives, fear, anxiety, and worry will have to flee. And so the words seek is zeteo in the Greek. And it means to strive after to, to desire, to look for, to strive to find, to try to gain, to aim for, to inquire, to ask, to investigate, to study, to consider, and this is key to seek in order to find out by thinking, meditating, and reasoning. Wow, that's seeking's a big deal. Pretty exhaustive responsibility there. But we can summarize it in this. In other in other words, Whatever we seek are the priorities, the purposes, and the pursuits of our life. What do you want most in life? What are you looking for and working so hard for in your life? You know, most people in this world are looking for money, power, possessions, fame, happiness, all of those things. Those are the center and focus and quest of their lives. However, when you become a Christian, those priorities radically change. Amen? That's part of being a believer in Jesus. Our our life changes, our priority changes. And so instead of seeking power, we seek to be humble, knowing that God will lift us up. Instead of coveting riches and possessions of the world, we learn to be content with whatever God has given us, whether it be great or small. And instead of pursuing our happiness, we pursue God's happiness. We pursue the things that please the Lord, not ourselves. That's the shift that takes place when we become a believer in Jesus Christ. And here's the added bonus. Jesus promised if we will seek him first and his kingdom and his righteousness, that he will provide all the food and clothing, finances and resources we need. And so if we put God first, he'll take care of the rest. And not only that, Instead of happiness, which is fleeting and elusive, we will find joy, which is not dependent on our circumstances in life. And so if we seek the things of this world, we may never find them. And even if we possess all the money, power, and fame this world has to offer, it most likely won't make us happy or satisfied. How many stories do we see in the news constantly? People that have it all and and lose it all, or it doesn't make them happy. It's, It's amazing the epidemic of people taking their lives during this time. Enough is never enough. And that will make us feel empty. In fact, worry and anxiety are the result of seeking the things of this world first. I can, I can tell when I begin to confuse my priorities. It happens to us as believers. We've got to constantly be adjusting our priorities, having God first in our life. But I can tell when my priorities have shifted or I'm, I'm not paying attention like I should, I begin to worry and fret about my kids. Anybody with me? I've shared before, I thought, you know, once they're 18, we're done, bless God. I don't have to worry about my kids anymore. Oh, that was a mistake. But how you many know God does not want us to worry about our kids? He wants us to pray for them and and do everything we can to minister to them but we're not to worry about them but I there are times I do I confess. I worry and fret about my kids, sometimes my finances, my future, my health and my Seahawks. <laughs> Those are all things that begin to worry me. Big game tomorrow night. Russell Wilson comes back to meet the Seahawks. Please don't call me. I'll be busy <laughs> with the Lord interceding in my prayer closet because that's our only hope. Worry and anxiety are signs and symptoms of not seeking the right things. I want us to understand this. I want myself to understand this. If I am worrying, if I'm filled with anxiety and angst, it means there's something wrong with my priorities. I'm not seeking first the Lord. I'm not seeking first the kingdom. I'm not seeking first His righteousness because if I do those things then it'll take care of the worry and the fear. You see, we we are to seek God's kingdom, not ours. We are to seek his righteousness, not our righteousness. We are to seek his and not ours. Any righteousness apart from God is called self-righteousness. God does not want us to have self-righteousness. Where we look down on everybody else, where we think we're perfect, That's not the kind of righteousness we're to be seeking after. In fact, this is how the Bible describes self-righteousness. Look at Isaiah 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Our self-righteousness may look good to us, may even look good to others, but it doesn't look good to God. We need God's righteousness, not our own. It doesn't come from us. God's righteousness is the real thing. Our self-righteousness may look like the real thing. I mean, we may look real religious, but self-righteousness is not the real thing. Years ago, at another church I pastored, a man in our church baked us some bread. It was so good. A fresh baked bread. It was still warm. And I, with a like a pound of butter, I inhaled that loaf of bread. I'd shared a little bit with the family, but most of all it was mine. (laughs) And so we had been, at the time we'd been thinking, Jolene and I had been thinking about buying a bread maker ourselves. And so we asked him, What what brand of bread maker would you recommend? And he said, Bread maker? It's called an oven. Little did I realize he had baked it all by scratch in his oven. His bread was the real deal, bless God. Recently, D-Hawk made me some Hawaiian bread. It was so good. Again, once a pound of butter, gone. So what is true righteousness? What is the real thing? What is real, genuine, not self-righteousness? What does it mean? Where does it come from? And how can we attain it? This is so important. If we want our life balanced, if we want our priorities in line, we have to have God's righteousness in our life. And let's define the word righteousness in the Greek. It means integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon. And so, righteousness is those things. It's it's virtue, it's integrity, things that are lost in our culture today. But it's it's doing the right thing, but it's also thinking the right thing, and feeling the right way. Because fear, worry, and anxiety and apprehension that all begins in our minds. And so, righteousness is a matter of thinking the right things, feeling the right things, and doing the right things. It's a progression. If we think the right way, we will feel the right way because what we often think determines how we feel, right? We may be thinking about something going on or somebody has something against us and that begins to affect our mood. How you process information, we've got this computer between our brains and how many you know it's not always accurate? It's faulty. It doesn't multiply things correctly. It doesn't add things up the right way. And we make a lot of assumptions about life that are not true. And we spend so much time dwelling on information that isn't even true. And yet that information, especially if it's negative, it begins to affect how we feel. And and when we feel a certain way, we do certain things. And so it's important that we pursue God's righteousness. Righteousness is thinking, feeling, and doing the right things, simply enough. Look at 1 John 3, 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. Just as he is righteous. And so if we think and feel and do the right things, we will be righteous. And those who are righteous will worry less you see, righteousness benefits us. Doing the right thing, having a clear conscience, knowing you're forgiven by God. How many of you know that reduces some stress in our life? And it's important for us as believers to do the right thing. The world is watching. The world's looking for an example of people who will do the right thing. And we may suffer for it, but before the Lord, we will be blessed. We will, be, we will benefit from... His righteousness. And so righteousness is an important part of our Christian life. So how do we become right? If it doesn't come from ourselves, if self-righteousness is the wrong thing, then how do we get God's righteousness? Well, first of all, we need to know where it comes from. Number one, righteousness is from God and God alone. It's the same as the attribute of love. Love comes from God. God is love. God is righteous, and so he's the only source for true righteousness. There's a lot of religions out there with a lot of rules that claim to make you righteous, but it only comes from God Almighty. God is the only source of true righteousness. Look at Psalms 119, verse 137, 137 verse, wow. There's 150 verses in Psalms 119. Righteous are you, O Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. And so everything God does and everything he says is righteous. And his commands are altogether right. God defines the difference between right and wrong. I know this world's trying to change the meaning of right and wrong. Isn't it crazy what's going on in our world? Totally changing what... Used to be right, and what now is considered wrong, and vice versa. I want you to know God is unchangeable, and so His word is still true. And what He declared right two thousand years ago is still right today. And so we we have to be careful. We have to be on guard against the world's influence, because the their definition of right and wrong is far from what God's definition is. And so we that can influence us, especially our children. We need to guard them, and we need to teach them what is right and what is wrong according to God's word. We have this standard, and it's what God has said. While God himself is righteous, mankind is not. Look at Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Wow. No human being is righteous. God embodies righteousness and emulates it. And righteousness comes from God alone. Again, we, we have this sense sometimes that obedience is a difficult thing and becoming righteous is too hard. And certainly we can't do those things without God's power. But we are commanded to be righteous, to walk in God's ways, to do what's right and, to do, and not do what's wrong. And so we need to see that it comes from God and God alone. Look at Romans three twenty two and 23. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's that verse in context that we quote all the time. Everyone's fallen short of the glory of God. Fallen short of God's righteousness. We cannot be righteous on our own. It comes from God. And not only is righteousness from the Lord, number two, righteousness is a gift. Do you realize that our salvation is a gift from God? We're not saved by works. We're not saved by religion. We're saved by grace through faith. And so righteousness comes from God and he gives it to us as a gift. We cannot earn his righteousness, we can only receive it as a gift. Look at Romans five seventeen. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Righteousness is a gift that comes from God through Jesus Christ, and it only comes through number three faith. Righteousness is by faith. It's a gift, but how many know God's giving us a gift, but we've got to receive the gift? He's offering it to us, but we must take it. And the way we take this gift of righteousness is by faith. So much of what we do in the Christian walk, in fact, everything that we do in the Christian journey, is by faith. We we can't get away from this. We'll never get to a place where we no longer need to trust God. In fact, the more we walk with the Lord, the more we know we need Him. We'll we'll rely less on ourselves and other people and begin to rely more upon God. Like salvation, we are made righteous by God's grace and through our faith. It's His grace, and it's our faith. And so God gives it, we have to believe it. It's not by works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But through our faith, that completes it. It's his grace, but it's our faith. Look at Romans 1.17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last from beginning to end. I mean, you know, you're saved by grace and you're kept saved by grace. And this faith is from beginning to end. And just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, it's tough to live by faith. Because there are things we will not understand and we will not know in this life. But we have a choice. Are we going to still believe? Are we going to still have faith? It's the, the question we're asking on Wednesday nights in our study of the book of Job. What what will it take for us to lose our faith? I pray nothing. And Job was tested. His faith was tested, and our faith is tested so it can be refined like gold. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're always going to have to live by faith. It'll never get to a point where you're on your own, because when you're on your own, you're in trouble. And so stir up the faith in your heart to believe whatever obstacle you're facing, whatever challenge you're going through. Thank you. I'm crackling and popping. It's probably because I haven't eaten the maple bar. (laughs) I know you want me to eat it right in front of you, but I'm afraid I couldn't stop with one bite. Listen to this. Fear, worry, anxiety, and apprehension are evidence of a lack of faith. Now, I'm not trying to hammer you with this. I'm trying to set us free. And so if if we're worrying, then it shows that we're not believing. We're not trusting. Because if you trust God, you don't worry. Even if the worst thing that would happen, you still trust God, you don't. And that's the problem. We fear the worst thing and we live it. We live with that fear. And so we're in misery, and it hasn't even happened yet. And it may never happen. And yet we live in that fear. We need to live in faith because then we'll have joy and we can go through this life. And we understand that doesn't mean everything will go according to plan. Christians experience tragedy and difficulty because those are the things that test our faith, that make it more pure and more powerful. And so. If you're you're struggling with this anxiety and and these things, take a step back and say, God, where am I failing to trust you in? Where am I missing it? Where's the weakness in my faith? If we have faith, we will trust God. Our level of worry is the measurement of our faith in God. I want to say that again. The level of worry is the measurement of your faith, whether low or high. So if you worry a bunch, then your faith is low. If you have great faith, then your anxiety will be low. I just believe God wants us to have the abundant life Jesus promised. And part of that abundant life is being righteous, to seek first his righteousness. The more faith the less worry. The greater trust, the less anxiety. There's more I want to share on this, but I'm going to pause and pick it up next week. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this time and we're going to partake of communion. If you haven't received the elements, you can raise your hand and hopefully we'll have somebody be able to hand it out to you. Yes, there's Steve there's ready. If, you're, if you didn't, haven't received, we have some of our great ushers ready to hand out so just raise your hand if you didn't get the bread or the juice we don't want to miss anyone someone to the back here in the middle thank you Pastor Gary The Bible says we're to examine ourselves before we take communion. That means we're to search our hearts. Another hand right over here. Anyone else? Don't want to miss you. Because communion's powerful. It's not just a tradition. It's more than that. It'll, it's, it's to help us never forget what Jesus paid. And I want you to know that this reminds us to seek first his face, seek the face of Jesus, seek the face of the Lord, seek his presence. It also challenges us to seek first his kingdom, to do things God's way, follow the principles of the kingdom. And it also challenges us to seek first his righteousness. So I don't know which one of those three speaks most to you today, But as Nathan leads us in a song, let's prepare our hearts to partake of communion. We'll hold off and we'll take together. Let's begin to examine our hearts and worship the Lord.
1: He became sin who knew no sin That we might become His righteousness He humbled Himself and He carried the cross Love so amazing, love so amazing. Yeah. Jesus Messiah. And some of heaven, Jesus, Jesus, Sire, Lord of all. Let's continue to sing His body, the bread, His blood, the wine, broken and Trembled, and the veil was torn. Love so amazing, love so amazing. Yeah. Jesus, Messiah. the name of all, name. Blessed let Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, His name is Jesus, and Jesus Messiah.
0: I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the perfect sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. And you took on all the sins of the world. You paid the price as the perfect lamb of God. And you died in our place. You died so we could live in heaven forever. So God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, and Jesus, thank you for giving all. In Jesus' name, amen, would you take the bread? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, come quickly. As we see all that's going on in the world, we know the time is short. So we thank you for this blood, this juice that represents forgiveness. It represents righteousness all that you purchased for us on that cross. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would continue to to think rightly, feel rightly, and act rightly. We would walk and live in righteousness by your name and your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you take the juice? Would you stand with me? Again, just want to remind you that the elders will be here in the front if you need prayer or if you'd like to kneel in the altars on your own, that's available or just to stay in worship. The rest of us will keep our conversation to the foyer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace you've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.